Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So as you open your Bibles to Genesis, say this with me today. I receive the Word of God, the prophet me, reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished on all good works. So I'd encourage you, you know, when you get home, read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. But I'm going to start here in verse 26. Here in Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The Young's literal translation says, you know, let them rule over. Let them rule over. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps On the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. I want you to look at this here in verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's look at it one more time. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. That word very good caught my attention as I was studying, and it means exceedingly the best. What it really means is that there's nothing better. There can be nothing better. It is the best that best can be. It can't get any better than this. And so when God created the earth, and he created man, and he created man in his image, and he put him in the garden, it can't get any better than that. There is nothing better than that because God created. How many of you know when God does something for you, it can't get any better than that? It can't get any better than that when God does it because God created it. There's no one, there's no system, you know, that can create anything better than what God can create. Man has never come close to creating anything comparable or anything any greater than what God has created. And the good news is God created you. So there's none better than you. Hello, somebody. That ought to encourage somebody in this congregation today. So God created everything, and everything was very good or exceedingly the best, and there is nothing any better than that. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 4. This is the history of heaven and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God has not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils 
the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, let's just stop and look at that for just a moment. Being means, you know, God said light be and light was, or you could say it this way. God said light be and light kept on being, existing, okay? And so the light that God created hasn't changed since he's created it. Probably because man can't mess it up. But the light has continued to be that God created And God has also created us to be a living being the way he designed us from the very beginning. So you are created to become a living being. And so we see something here is that the Lord created you not only to be in his image, but to continue to be in his image. And verse 8, the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we see that God created this garden. Now, for those who don't know this, it never rained until Noah's flood. And actually, when you begin to look at the word of God and you see that God separated the waters we instantly begin to think, well, that's when he created landmass. No, when he separated the waters, he put a sphere of water around the earth. And it's believed that during that time that the earth was more like a terrarium. How many of you know what a terrarium is? You know, where you put a glass over maybe, you know, an aquarium and you put dirt in there and you don't ever have to water it, do you? Why? Because uh, it stays moist all the time because there's nowhere where the water goes. And this is the way the earth was. And also, they believe that during that time that the atmospheric pressure that we experience here on this earth is one atmospheric pressure here on the ground. They believe it was maybe two or three atmospheric pressures. In other words, the pressure was a little different. And pressure causes things to line up a little differently. And so there are archaeological discoveries of ferns being as big as trees. You know, the fern that, you know, you buy from the local store and you put on your porch. Well, they have archaeological discoveries of some of those ferns being as big as trees. They have found dragonflies that are three-foot wingspan. Okay, well, why is that? Well, because it's a possibility that under that pressure, the DNA is a little different. And so that was the original creation of the uh, uh, of the bean or the, the, the insect or the animal or whatever. Also, with that type of atmosphere, it's a little easier to fly in a little thicker atmosphere. And so that's why we had some of the flying reptiles that we had. In fact, some of the reptiles that we have today, they believe that they're just smaller versions of the dinosaurs that grew during that particular time. So it's kind of interesting, you know, when you begin to look at this, how the world was really created, and that's the way God created it. It was a living garden. Here in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15, then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. All right, so this what was man's design was to tend, to watch over, and to keep the garden. That was, that was what God empowered man to do. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it, 
For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. So here, you know, uh, in this particular garden, and Vicki did a study on it one time, and she, she found out that the Garden of Eden was probably about the size of the state of California. So here is the Garden of Eden, and there's only one tree in the whole garden that God said, oh, I do not want you to eat of this tree. And the truth is that it's not because it would poison them or it was bad fruit, but it was so that they would know that they're going to live according to God's standards. Say God's standards. They're going to live according to God's standards. This is the standard that God set up. He said, man, you can eat anywhere. You know, of course, if it was me, of course, we have hindsight a little bit, I wouldn't even gone to the center of the garden. <laughs> I wouldn't even gotten around it. I certainly wouldn't have let my wife get around it. She may have made a fruit salad out of it or something, and I didn't know, you know. But nevertheless, you know, we're not going near that, you know. We're going to leave that thing alone. I like God's standards, you know. I mean, listen, to tend and to keep a garden that basically takes care of itself, you know. I mean, it, I mean it'd be like being on vacation all the time. I mean, you just go to these trees. One of the things that they discovered about this second atmospheric pressure is that the Japanese took a tomato seed and had it... Uh, uh, a grow under this atmospheric pressure, and the plant grew into a tree. And they discovered that the plant never loses its fruit, and the fruit never rottens. Isn't that something? So everywhere you went, you had fresh fruit, and the fresh fruit was like eating a T-bone steak, if that's what you like. It was so satisfying that, you know, you were a vegan, and you didn't even know you were a vegan. And so God created it this way. I mean, what a paradise that God created. And he said, in this paradise, I have one standard. And that standard is only one rule, only one rule. I mean, you know, there's 400 and something laws that the Jews have to obey or, or, or abide by, but only one rule. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? So, as you all know, most of you know, they couldn't keep that one rule. Starting here in Genesis chapter 3, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, that's a good rule. God didn't say you couldn't touch it, but that's a good rule. Don't touch it. If you don't want to sin, don't go around sin. Hello, hello somebody. Uh, then the serpent said, you will not surely die. Okay, so now all of a sudden, he is beginning to begin to change the sense knowledge of the woman. You know, the woman's thinking, you know, well, we'll die and the serpent's not, you're, you're not going to die the way you think you're going to die. But what the serpent didn't tell him was, you'll die, but you're not going to die. You're not going to drop dead. 
you know, all of a sudden the sense knowledge began. He began to work on that sense knowledge. What do you mean you're going to die? I mean, you, you really think that if you eat that, that you're just, bam, just like that, you're going to be, you're not going to exist. You're not going to die. You won't die. He began to work on her sense knowledge, getting her to begin to reason from a different perspective, but not from the perspective that God created her to reason with. He began to change, if I could say it this way, her mindset. Say mindset. He began to change and work on her mindset. So he said, you shall not surely. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, number one, you're already like God. Okay, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one why? She took of the fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her, her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife. Now, you know, this is the first time Adam is mentioned here. Before it was man. But now this is the first time it was Adam, okay? And why didn't the text say Adam and Eve? Well, because the name Adam, Adam, is how you say it in the Hebrew, is the exact same word for man, Adam. No difference, exact same Hebrew word. So anytime you see when God said to the man, he was saying to Adam, but really he was saying to mankind, all of us. Hey, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for mankind. What did he do? He blessed them and said, be fruitful and what? Multiply and what? Replenish, okay? So this was the whole purpose of the mankind that God created. All of us, he wanted all of us to be at this particular place. So it says here that, you know, uh, uh, he heard the sound of the Lord walking, verse 8, Genesis 3, verse 8, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Now, this is so ironic to me because he knew where they were. He knew where they were. Where are you? But he wanted them to realize where they were. Where are you? You know, God's calling out to mankind today and saying, where are you? Where are you? And so he asked them, he said, where are you? And, they, and he said, Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The second thing he asked him was, who told you? Who have you been listening to? What changed your mindset? How is it that you could be prancing through or tiptoeing through the tulips, totally naked and unashamed, and now all of a sudden you recognize you're naked and you're ashamed? Who told you that? Where did you get that mindset from? How did this enter in? What happened to you that created this mindset? I mean, just, just right before you ate the fruit, 
You had, you were carefree. You could care less. You didn't sow fig trees to cover yourself up. What's going on here? Who told you? Where'd you get that mindset from? Well, it certainly wasn't from God, was it? And he said, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? So the third question God asked him is, what'd you do? What did you do? So the three questions God's asking Adam or man is, where are you? What have you been listening to? And what have you done? Those are the three questions God is asking man at this particular time. Then the man said to the woman, he said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to her, what, what is this you have done? The woman said, well, the servant deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the earth. On your belly you should go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Right there is a prophecy of Jesus. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And, the, and to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and conception and pain, and you shall bring forth your children and your and, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So here in verse 22, let's move on down there. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Now this is what really got me thinking about what God is really saying here. The Lord, said, Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and the flaming sword which turned every way to the guard to guard the way to the tree of life. So there's a tree of life out there. Okay? But God said, look, Adam... I love you so much that I don't want you to live forever in the state of sin. So he removed him from partaking of the tree of life. That's the mercy of God. You know, he went, he made tunics for him, covered him up, which is the first blood sacrifice that was made by God. Made a blood sacrifice to cover up the sin or the shame of man. Isn't that something that in the garden man became shame, but in the garden Jesus took our shame? Isn't that an, a remarkable thought to think about that? And so here, God said, and this is what really struck me here in verse 22, and God said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. So I did some studying and really praying about that. And what it really means was, is this. When God created man, he created him in, their, in, in, in his image and in his likeness. Okay, we see that. Other words, you know, Man said, my standards will be your standards. My standards, God, will be your standards. Because God set what standards to live by. But as soon as he disobeyed, what man said was, I will now decide 
what is good and evil. I've taken that on myself to decide what standards I should live by. I'm not going to live by your standards, God, but I can now decide the standards that are good and evil. Well, the problem when mankind makes standards for us to live by, when not everybody lives up to them, they always lower the standards. So everybody can be inclusive, so we lower the standards. And isn't this something that because they took on the mindset of we'll choose what good and evil is. In fact, it says in one of the chapters, I can't remember exactly where it, was, where it is, but it says that, you know, right before the flood happened, that man did what was good in their own sight. Yes. <laughs> and I believe it was seven generations later that Noah came on the scene. And after man decided that he's going to set the standard of what good and evil, God had to destroy the earth with a flood. Only seven generations later. That's how well we're running things around here. Hello, somebody. That's how good mankind standards really are. Because we need to ask ourselves, are we living by our own standards? Or are we living by God's standards? So when we live by God's standards, it sets us up to be able to receive greater from God. Whose standards are you living by? Your own standards or by God's standards? In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against them. Well, there is no comma there in the, in the original. And this is how I like to say it. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise a standard against them. What is it that defeats the enemy? God's standards. When we look at James 4, 7, it says it like this. Submit yourself unto God, and resist the devil and he shall flee. If you're really submitted and living according to God's standards, then God's standards will destroy the works of darkness. That's the key. So whose standards are you living by? Let me help you understand this in a little different perception today. We're gonna talk about measurements. And we have measurements out there that we live according to the standard of a foot, which is 12 inches, a yard, which is 36 inches, a mile, which is 5,280 feet. Isn't that correct? You know, and so we live according to these particular standards. These are, these are you know, measurements, units, that we have somehow come up over the years of mankind that we all live by. So now I want a little participation from everybody today, okay? So we all have our opinions, don't we? And some of us have opinions of what's right and what's wrong, okay? So let me ask you something. How many of you, let, I, I, want, I want to hear some numbers. How far is it from the corner of this stage going all the way around 
to the corner of this side of the stage. So let me have some people's opinions. How many, go ahead, just, you know, raise your hand and I'll call on you. 65 feet, okay. 30 feet. 45 feet. 56 feet. 67 feet. 75 feet. How many of you want to really know now that I asked the question? Well, I brought the standard. All right, Eric. This is a 100-foot tape measure, and it's accurate because it says made in the USA. Okay, yep, there you go. Put it down there like that. All right. Let's see if we can get this here. 32 feet. 37 feet. Let me get that down there. 45 feet and 5 inches. Does that settle any questions? So how big is it? 45 feet, 5 inches. Based on what? Oh, based on this standard, huh? So we're going to use this as our standard. Is that right? Okay. Well, let's just say for a moment that I'm a contractor and I'm going to build you a house. That'd be all right? Okay, you trust me? You know, after all, I'm your pastor. Huh? You know, not only can I be your spiritual covering, but I might be able to put a roof on and do a physical covering. I'm not real sure. And so, I just want to let you know that when I build your house, I'm not going to use that as my standard. I'm going to use this as my standard. Okay? One more time, Eric, if you would, please. Okay? Now, this is a piece of rope, and it's really only 15 feet, but I'm calling it 20. That's my standard. Okay? So you, you call me up and you go, hey, pastor, I want you to build me a house. Okay. 40 by 60, 2,400 square foot house. Okay. Sure, I'll, I'll do that. But not by this standard, but by this standard. So by the time I build your house, I've only shortened you 150 square feet. I mean, it's only five feet. It's really not that big of a deal, is it? Come on, it's only five feet. I mean, really, it's only five feet. It's not that big of a deal. Come on. Won't you buy my standard? It's only five feet. Well, the medium, average median of the house in Boone County right now is $171 per square foot. And I've cheated you out of 150 square feet. That's only $25,000. You got a problem with that? You got a problem with me living by my standards? You want me to live by this standards and build you a house that's really 40 by 60? Why? Because I'm cheating you out of something. And this is exactly what happens when we choose to live by our own standards and not God's standards. We cheat ourselves out of 
what God has for our lives. See, God's standard says this. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, when you do these two things right here, then you fulfill everything. I mean, you're completely walking according to God's standards. And so for years, I used to look at this, and I was questioning about this, you know. If the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, then why does it say, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and if the soul is the mind, will, and emotions, all your mind, why is mind put in there, and all your strength? Because the word mind there means mindset. Is your mindset, your attitude, how you process things and how you see things all according to the standards of God? Are they really? Where are you? Adam, where are you? Interesting that the word woman in Genesis comes from a Hebrew called Isha. And it doesn't mean woman. It means the feminine mate. Where are you, Adam? Where are you as a man? Are all your standards according to God's standards? Or are there some like, you want me to build a house with a 15-foot rope? That I say is 20? Well, you know, God loves me anyway. Well, how about you loving yourself and that you don't short your chain, shortchange yourself of all what God has for you? Amen. I know God loves you. But how do you see yourself? Where did that mindset that says, you know, I know God says this, but it's really okay for me to do this. Where did that come from? Who told you? Who told you? Who told you that a little white lie won't hurt anything? Hmm? Who told you that sex before marriage is okay because everybody's doing it? Uh-oh, pastor, back up. Come on, you know. Who told you some of these things? Where'd you get that mindset from? Where are you? And the last thing is, what are you doing about it? Because see, the truth is that if you buy into man's standards, you're cheating yourself. But if you buy into God's standards, you're setting yourself up for a major blessing Amen. to operate in your life. As long as man was operating according to the way God created him, he said he, then he blessed them to do what? Be fruitful, multiply, 
replenish, and subdue. As long as you are submitted to God, James 4, 7, you're resisting the enemy. As long as you say, hey, these are my standards, where are you? Is God walking in your garden looking for you? Or are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Now look, God's looking for Adam, and Adam's doing without. But then Jesus said, if you'll seek God, everything will be added on to you. Where are you? Is God looking for you saying, where are you? Or are you looking for God saying, where are you? Where are we? Now we know that we're down, but are there other areas? And there may be some areas, man, I mean, you got some of God's standards down. But are there other areas in your life? Why stay where you're at when you can have more? Why cheat yourself out of all that God has for you? Well, I'm kind of blessed. God's taking care of me. Well, that's great. But, you know, is your mindset God's mindset? Are all your mindset God's mindset? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves. The Word of God tells us in Matthew chapter 5, 13, that we are to be salt to this world and light to this world. And salt preserves. Does God want this world to be preserved? Who's he going to use? He's going to use those of us who say, my standard's God's standards. Because it says when the salt loses its flavor, what does that mean? That means that, you know what, it's not measuring up to its standard. Or when the light goes out, what does that mean? That means that the light's not measuring up to its standards. Dim the lights for just a moment, please, all of them. You know, the reason we can dim these lights and it's not bright in here is because those lights aren't put up to their standards. They're not turned on to their standards. They have been, you know, somehow there's some type of you know, uh, I, I don't know if I can explain it right here off the top of my head, but, you know, there's a, a, a way of changing the power that goes through the light switch, okay? And so that's in that light switch, and, you know, but in order for the light to reach its full potential, it has to be what? Go ahead and turn them up. Full power. So is there some, they call it resistors, you know, in your light switch that's hindering you from receiving the full power or the full power working through you? How is the world going to really know that God has a good plan for him if we're living by the world's standards? Are they ever going to know? No, they're only going to know when we choose to live by his standards, when they see that blessing on us and overtaking us. Amen. I believe, and I still believe, according to the word from the man of God, this is an unprecedented, this is a year of God's unprecedented outpouring of his goodness for this house. And that this is an intentional year and a doable year. And I believe not only the favor but the favor of God is on each and every one of you, and there are great things in store for you. Amen. He said, well, where'd you get that from? God just tell you that? 
Well, you know what? When I'm living according to his standards, this is what's going to happen. When you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what is his righteousness? His right way of doing things. Sounds like standards to me. Then all these things shall be added. That word added means being. Same word, being. You will continue to being blessed. You will be that living being where the life of God is flowing through you. What did Jesus say in John 10, 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy or to dim your light. But I've come to give you life, Zoe, God's kind of life. And I've come to give it to you abundantly, which means beyond measure. That's what he's come to give you. But you have one responsibility. Where are you? Is God running after you or are you running after God? What have you been listening to? You listening to what man says is right or what God says is right? 72 years old going into a worn, torn nation after he's already served our nation once in Vietnam. Why? Because that's God's standards for him. Does he have anything to be afraid of? Yes. The number one thing he has to be afraid of, and that is not obeying God. That's the only thing he has to be afraid of. That's what we all should be fearful of. Am I really living according to your standards? Because when we don't live according to God's standards, then we don't get God's benefits. And when the enemy comes like a flood, God will raise his standards against them. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.